there, you are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hosted by functional medicine physician, Dr. Nicole Rivera, and functional medicine nutritionist, Brooke Scheller. We just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Integrative Wellness Radio. I'm Dr. Nicole and I am here with Brooke Scheller, the uh, clinical nutritionist here at Integrative Wellness Group. And we are going to be talking about dementia. And I feel like dementia is something that we're hearing more often than we have in the past and unfortunately dealing with loved ones around us that have some level of cognitive decline is is very difficult and it's very difficult to watch and experience because a lot of things have to change about their lives and you know their their normal day-to-day of even driving gets taken from them because of the fact that you know they're they're not necessarily functioning that the way that they used to so we want to shed light on what is necessarily some of the underlying causes in association with dementia or even any level of memory loss or cognitive decline so that we can get a little bit more clear about how we can be preventative around avoiding this happening and even potentially treating people that are, have already started the process of noticing cognitive decline, short-term, long-term memory issues, or even full-blown dementia. Yeah, this is such a great topic because it's become so common and most of us know someone or have a loved one who has experienced either a diagnosis of Alzheimer's or just experiencing that loss of memory or that decline of the cognitive function. And it's so interesting because over the last several years now, research is starting to come out that is showing that there's actually these biochemical reasons as to why this is happening. And um, even for an example, I know that there have been over the past few years, a few genetic mutations that have come out as saying these are mutations that are associated with these different types of diagnoses. But even further than that, there are reasons why even those genes can turn on and turn off. So even if you're someone who has that gene mutation, if you've had some testing done, you may not necessarily be um, inclined towards this, but there are certain things that you can do. And we're going to talk to you more about some of these underlying causes and what they might be. Definitely. And kind of going back to just newer research coming out, I think one of the biggest things that they're doing research on right now is called uh, CCSVI, which um, is pretty much standing for uh, chronic cerebral spinal fluid uh, venous insufficiency. So let's just keep it really simple. It's pretty much talking about the lack of drainage from the head uh, and lack of drainage of the cerebral spinal fluid around the brain. So pretty much what's happening is the bulk of your lymph nodes that, uh, so first of all, your lymph nodes are a huge part of your immune system. And one of the things that they do is they bind up different types of toxins and infections and, uh, and dissolve them. So it actually turns into what I call Pac-Man and eats things and dissolves these different things that should not be in the body. So since a ton of your lymph nodes are actually in your head and neck, 
it's designed like that for a reason and it's primarily to make sure that anything toxic especially heavy metals like mercury that are in amalgam silver fillings that if there is any type of exposure to these toxins uh, in the brain area that these lymph nodes and your venous system your veins and your sinuses are draining everything away from the brain because it's our most vital organ we all know that if if something is damaging to the brain then that is going to be extremely problematic so the body is always creating mechanisms to protect that organ yeah and i think a really good analogy for this is over the last let's say 10 or 20 years there's been such a hot topic around cardiovascular disease and we think about how the veins or the arteries will actually become clogged up it's kind of a similar you know visual if you can picture these actual drainage pathways coming out of the brain actually getting clogged up and not being able to flow this spinal fluid through properly. So, you know, it's definitely important that if, and you know, these things that Dr. Nicole is mentioning, like mercury and some of these other toxins, unfortunately, these are things that we get exposed to constantly on a daily basis. You know, mercury is in these amalgam fillings, but it's also in our flu shot, it's in our vaccines, it's in fish that we eat. Um, so it's definitely something that we're getting exposed to. You don't necessarily have to have an outright exposure or even a lot of symptoms to have that. Definitely. And kind of just giving you more of this, this visual of what could be some of the symptoms associated with having this uh, CCSVI. So again, this, this venous insufficiency, the, this lack of drainage from the head is you might have enlarged tonsils. You might have neck pain. You might actually feel around on your, your neck. It could be the base of your skull. It could be the front of your neck, kind of close to your thyroid area and feel kind of tender or feel lumpy because those lymph nodes are enlarged. You also might have a thyroid problem because your thyroid is in the same exact proximity to the bulk of your lymph nodes of your neck. Um, you also might have been diagnosed with a carotid artery issue. Uh, you might be getting headaches right behind your eye because that actually has a lot to do with a rebounding effect of your jugular vein, which is in your neck. Uh, or you might just be having uh, sinus headaches as well because of sinus pressure. So all of these things are, are indicators that the drainage around your brain is potentially not really working. And I feel like in clinical practice, these are things that we're hearing on, on the day-to-day. -day. We're hearing neck pain, and then we attribute it to sitting behind a computer or driving too much. And then we hear about these lymph nodes and, oh, I was told that it's fine, it's benign, it's not a problem. Or if it sticks around too long, we get it removed surgically. Um, chronic sinus issues. Oh, you just have seasonal allergies. That's why you have chronic sinus issues, so take a Claritin. And it's just not really how it all works. Uh, these things are showing up as warning signs to tell you that there's a problem, but we live in a society that there's usually a band-aid for all of these symptoms or, or problems. So what we wanna kind of go into is why? What are the causes of this venous insufficiency? What are the causes of the swollen lymph nodes? What are the causes of the sinus issues? What are the causes of the enlarged tonsils or the neck pain? What, you know, what is the culprits behind this? And this is not our opinion. This is what we see on a day-to-day -day with our clinical practice here in Belmar. 
So I'll let Brooke kind of talk about some of the things that we're, we're finding in these areas and the environmental stressors that are contributing. Yeah, and I think this is huge too because even if, for example, you were to go to a traditional physician and maybe even be diagnosed with something like this, we often get this label. Maybe you get this diagnosis of CCSVI or you have a diagnosis of swollen lymph nodes or even like you mentioned a thyroid condition. Maybe it's hypothyroidism. Maybe it's Hashimoto's thyroiditis. It doesn't really explain what's actually going on. So it's kind of just this superficial diagnosis that allows us to put you into a box. It allows us to say, you know, that you can get X drug and that that will treat the symptoms. But it doesn't necessarily tell us, well, you know, is there something, something, some type of infection, some type of environmental toxin that's stressing that area. And so we mentioned the heavy metals and how that can be really problematic because a lot of them actually act as neurotoxins. So they'll actually damage the neurons in the brain, but they can also start to gunk up some of these different veins and the lymph nodes in the body. I want Nicole to talk more about some of the infections because this is a huge part of what we do and what we see in some of these patients that are coming in with multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's diagnoses, uh, even in children, autism. Yeah. Well, like you said, Brooke, so we're dealing with the potential for a heavy metal issue. And like she said, these are neurotoxic. These are toxic to the brain. So this is a huge culprit for cognitive decline. So we're dealing with amalgam silver fillings, which are extremely close to the brain because they're in your mouth. Then we're dealing with the potential for um, fluoride treatments, which I know is a controversial topic, but you know the biggest thing that they're finding with uh, research and also actually doing autopsies is they're finding deposits of fluoride in the pineal gland of the brain, which is our creativity center. So this is something that they're literally finding traces of. And then in addition, we might be dealing with different types of infections in the mouth. Maybe we have receding gum lines or we have gingivitis. And these are things, you know, we go in, we maybe use a mouthwash for a couple of weeks or, you know, we get a special toothpaste and everything calms down. But we're not necessarily diving deeper to see is there, you know, some type of microbe or some type of bacterial infection that's hanging out in our gums that's creating these problems. And a lot of people have had root canals and cavities filled, wisdom teeth removed. So these things are actually really common. Definitely. And the biggest thing we want you to take away from it is your sinuses, your mouth, your tonsils, your thyroid, your lymph nodes of your neck, and even your lungs, they're all connected. It's just the way that the body has been designed. So what we're finding is that everything is affecting everything. So maybe for you, you've been dealing with some sinus issues. Maybe they're low grade. Maybe it's a minor congestion and you wake up and you have to blow your nose every morning. Or maybe you have had full-blown sinus infections. Um, A big thing that we find that is a culprit for these sinus issues is uh, different types of bacteria that are actually associated with mold exposure. And the amount of mold that we find in our patient's systems is is quite interesting and it just shows that it's more of a problem than we realize. It's, you know, we're dealing with mold that is in old buildings. So 
This is sometimes schools we've attended, daycares that we went to even as kids. They are in our office. Sometimes it's in our homes. It's not always gonna be super black and white. It's not always gonna be on the wall. You're not always gonna be able to see it. It hides, it hides in ventilation systems. But if you are getting exposed to these airborne molds, it's gonna get into your sinuses. It's gonna gunk up your tonsils. And we did do a podcast about your tonsils and people that have had their tonsils removed and the top three things that we find in people's tonsils as well as in the surrounding areas of the tonsils so again these lymph nodes of your neck is going to be heavy metals so most of the time some level of mercury or even aluminum because aluminum is a lot of um, it's what a lot of our pots and pans are made out of we also find strep and we also find mold. So if you're having this exposure, then this is something that again, is it gonna affect the, the tonsils, the sinuses, the, the lymph nodes of your neck, and the longer you're exposed, the more problematic it becomes. And then this prevents the drainage from maybe the mercury that's in your mouth. Um, and just sinuses alone. So first of all, your sinuses are the drainage system for your brain. So if your sinuses are infected, it is a hundred percent going to create problems neurologically. So this is the longer it goes on, the more cognitive decline that we have. And then we might be noticing concentration issues. You know, we have this epidemic of ADD. We might be noticing, um, can't find our keys. So minor short-term memory issues. And then it develops into can't remember, you know, the reminiscing about when you were young and, you know, where you guys used to hang out or that one, you know, party you went to. Now it's becoming more of the long-term memory issue. And then it spirals into, you know, the full-blown dementia diagnosis. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you mention about the something, for example, like the sinus infections, because most of the clients that we see experience reoccurring sinus, sinus infections. It's not that we necessarily have one and then you take an antibiotic and it's gone. If you're someone who's listening and you get a sinus infection or two every single year, that tells us that there's an infection in there that's that we're not taking care of. So you may have taken an antibiotic and it might have cooled things down, but it didn't necessarily get to the root of that. And I would say, you know, one of the other big things that we definitely see is we deal with a large community of Lyme disease patients. And that's something that even I was watching a documentary not long ago, there's a scientist who did a lot of research and he actually um, worked with Harvard in their the Harvard Brain Lab. And they had 10 brains with dementia or Alzheimer diagnoses. And nine of those 10 brains actually tested positive for the spirochetes of Lyme. So it's pretty amazing that, you know, we don't necessarily, excuse me, necessarily look into these things. You know, when a loved one is diagnosed with dementia or Alzheimer's, we don't say, you know, is there something that can be done to reverse this? Because right now in the, the medical industry, what we're trying to do is, develop drugs that can support the actual decline process, but we're not looking into what's the cause. And so there's definitely ways that you can help to support this and look into, you know, if there's a way to even reverse it. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of limitations with testing. You cannot go in and biopsy a brain, you know, take a sample of brain tissue to test it for spirochetes. It's 
you can't do it because you would damage. You would damage the brain and then that would create problems in itself. So the amount of testing that is available for the brain is very limited and we're pretty much limited to imaging. We're limited to uh, CAT scans and MRIs. And typically by the time something is showing up on an MRI or even a CAT scan, this is pretty much after the fact that damage has already started. And one of the big things that we hear about, especially with MS, and one of the ways of diagnosing multiple sclerosis is actually uh, doing imaging on the brain and checking to see if there are lesions. And what's very interesting is in some of the testing that they have done and autopsies that they have done on on brains is they've actually found that these lesions can be caused by iron deposits. And your iron, mainly your ferritin levels, which is your storage unit of iron, having elevated ferritin levels is actually a huge culprit of massive inflammation. And taking that a step further, inflammation is purely an immune system response. So if you have infections like Lyme or mold or mycotoxins or bacteria, then you're going to have an inflammatory cascade, which is then going to up these ferritin levels, which then could potentially deposit in the brain and then cause these lesions. So there's a lot more to it than just saying you've gotten older and genetically you were predisposed to developing Parkinson's, dementia, Alzheimer's. This is usually massive, massive toxin overload and the lack of drainage is really to try to simplify it as, as much as we can. And, you know, I know that if, even in my own, you know, in my own life with family members and loved ones that I know of that have developed these types of conditions, these are people that... Uh, either grew up in the farming industry and they had that transition from using you know natural pesticides into using uh, deep products or using uh, Agent Orange and using some of these really really aggressive chemicals uh, in the farming industry because it was the best thing ever to now not have pests eating your crops um, and these are people that also maybe lived in areas where they were surrounded by ammunition plants or large power plants or just different factories that were producing different types of plastics and chemicals. So you have to consider your environment and the things that you've been exposed to because it's more than heavy metals and fillings in your teeth. There are tons of things that we are exposed to. And one of the most interesting statistics that I've ever heard is that over 10,000 new chemicals are produced every month and only one out of 10,000 is actually tested properly. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you brought that up because I was going to say too that, you know, a lot of us say that, you know, my grandmother had dementia or Alzheimer's and so now I'm predisposed to that. I actually wrote a blog for Mind Body Green several months ago talking about, you know, is is it really our genetics or is there some environmental capacity? Because we think about those people that we share our genetics with, 
we also share our environment with. So for example, if you were raised in a farming community um, and grandma had dementia, well, you know, you and grandma were likely exposed to the same thing. So while there is that genetic component there, there's always that environmental component as well. So even talking about things like molds or heavy metals, those are potentially things that we are just in that same environment with our family members and we're thinking that's genes and it's really the environment. Yeah, and I think that's huge to understand because we always ask about family history and I do not ask about family history on the premise that there is a genetic predisposition. I ask because First of all, um, certain types of toxins, heavy metals being a primary, is actually passed down from generation to generation because uh, mom will pass certain heavy metals as well as certain infections to her child. So if mom had a history of a lot of gut issues and then she has a child who is colic or then later in life was developed uh, developed IBS or some other type of digestive issue, that's usually because mom passed all of her infections to the child. It's not a genetic thing. It's not necessarily a predisposition. Uh, I'm not discrediting genetics. They do play a role in some of these things, but there is a huge correlation to everybody living in the same house that had mold in it or everybody eating the same food that was processed and had chemicals in it. Or there is some level of what was passed from mom to child. Yeah, and even there's research now that's come out about DDT, which is one of the uh, pesticides that was outlawed either in the 40s or 50s and that they're actually still finding DDT in children today. So they're finding that it's actually being passed, I think three generations they've found it. So, you know, if grandma was exposed to DDT, you also are carrying some of that same chemical within your system too. So super interesting. So now that we've scared everyone, <laughs> let's talk about how, you know, if you're someone who's maybe been exposed to these different things, or you have a history of Lyme disease, or some of these heavy metals or infections, let's talk more about what we can do to help support that and make sure that we're giving the brain the love it needs. Well, I think the biggest thing to take away and, and talking about the the passing even generation to generation is, is getting the drainage working. If you get the drainage working and you get the detoxification pathways working, then you can flush a lot of these different things out. So, you know, what I find kind of interesting about our cases that we deal with of, you know, dementia, massive brain fog, or some level of cognitive decline, is we usually find that these uh, patients are a good candidate for not only biochemical work, but also physical work. And primarily what we mean by that is, is first of all, understanding if the person maybe had a lot of concussions or they had a lot of head injuries or maybe they played soccer and headbutted the ball all the time. Because if you have some of the, the physical, you know, uh, misalignment of sutures in the, in the skull, because your skull is not one piece, a lot of people don't know that. Um, or, you know, you've had a lot of strain to the muscles around your neck because you sit behind a computer all day or you drive a lot. You need to sometimes go in there and realign things and help everything to drain better or even getting like a deep tissue lymph massage in order to get things um, broken up in the neck area so that those lymph nodes are actually working again. So these are really important things to consider because it's not always necessarily going to be 
you know, taking something, if it's, if it's a medication, if it's a supplement, if it's an herb, it also, you can get the lymph working better by using infrared sauna, which pretty much heats up the lymph and burns off different types of infections. You can use something called craniosacral therapy, which works on the flow of the cerebral spinal fluid around the brain to get that moving again. You can use chiropractic if you're a candidate for it and something called myofascial release, which kind of works on aligning things, but then also breaking up any type of scar tissue that would be in the muscles, especially in these muscles around the head and neck. Um, and then, you know, when you're getting more into the other side of it, the chemical side of it is evaluating, is there heavy metals? Is there massive amounts of fillings in the teeth? Um, is there uh, underlying sinus infections or different types of molds that are in the sinuses? These are all things that you do the right testing to figure out and then move along with uh, some type of treatment protocol. If that means it's a customized nasal spray, if that means it's certain types of uh, antimicrobials that will kill off some of these infections. Um, and then it's also dietary. And it's getting, giving your brain the nutrients that it needs uh, is really, really important. And I'll kind of let Brooke explain a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, and that's huge because, you know, now we're talking so much about these days how nutrition plays such an important role in our diet, or excuse me, in our health and, and a lot of these chronic conditions. And that's one of the things that we really specialize here in is helping people to understand what's the best dietary approach for them um, because everybody's body might be a little bit different. And the big thing to understand, and one thing that I've gotten really interested in is that a lot of these infections or uh, toxins or stressors on the immune system are actually gonna cause a lot of imbalance, imbalances nutritionally. So you're gonna have depletion in a lot of vitamins that maybe you think you're eating enough salads, but maybe you're really not getting enough because your body has a greater need for that. So it's definitely interesting, and especially with regard to these types of neurological symptoms, Dr. David Perlmutter wrote a book several years ago called Grain Brain, talking about how grains and gluten are actually very inflammatory towards the brain and the, the neurological system. So these are foods that definitely you want to try to eliminate or at least uh, decrease in the diet because they can be so inflammatory, not only to the brain, but also to the digestive tract and, and the immune system as well. But also going off of that and talking about when you do cut out grains and, and gluten from the diet, one thing that you start to steer your body more towards is a ketogenic style diet. And what that means essentially is when you are not getting a high enough amount of carbohydrates into the body, your body actually starts burning or using proteins to convert into glucose as fuel. So ketones are actually a really great quote unquote food for the brain. And this is something that there's been a lot of increasing research in in the last several years that a ketogenic style diet can be really, really good for someone who's experiencing these uh, cognitive decline symptoms, Alzheimer's, dementia, etc. Yeah, they call ketones kind of like the clean fuel for for the body and the brain. Yeah. Instead of it, you know, there was a really good analogy that I read, um, and it was kind of speaking in reference to if you're burning coal, it's kind of a um, a dirty, messy version of energy. But if you're um, 
burning or, or I'm, I'm sorry using solar power or solar energy that's a very clean version of energy so i thought that was a good way to kind of explain how the ketones work because it's a very clean source of energy for for the brain and it's very well utilized yeah the only disclaimer i would make about a ketogenic diet is it's definitely not right for everyone mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of side effects that can occur especially if you're someone that has any degree of kidney dysfunction um, you, you do want to be careful with that. So I would say working with someone who's trained in, in, as a nutritionist, functional nutrition, functional medicine practitioner would be best to work with you on supporting that. And it always goes back to, for us, the testing. You know, what's going to be, again, not only the best dietary approach for this person, but supplements and physical work because everybody's body is a little bit different. So someone who might be dealing with these symptoms, you know, they might have heavy metals or maybe you know, someone else has Lyme and they have same symptoms, but different actually underlying cause. And we're going to focus on that a little bit differently for sure. And one of the things that I want to say too, is if you are dealing with um, any level of this cognitive decline yourself, you're really struggling with brain fog, or you even have a child, uh, a niece or a nephew that is dealing with ADD and you're finding that either yourself or, you know, this other individual is craving sugar like crazy. Um, one of the things that you want to know about that is that is actually a byproduct of your brain working really, really, really hard. Because if you're dealing with heavy metal toxicity that truly is affecting your brain, there is actually a higher demand um, for glucose because your brain does run on glucose, which is sugar. So the problem is, is in America that we, all of our sugar is attached to fat or protein, but mainly fat. So if you even think about the concept of, you know, milk, milk has sugar in it, but it also has fat. If you think about the concept of chocolate, we have sugar and we have fat. So if you actually consume vast amounts of fruit, but you consume it strictly by itself, you do not pair it with any type of protein and you do not pair it with any type of fat, AKA you eat your apple alone instead of eating it with peanut butter or almond butter, you will actually find that this glucose is going to fuel um, your brain's needs. It's not a long-term solution, but if you are someone who craves a ton of sugar, but you're also dealing with brain fog, you might want to give yourself some of that fruit again alone in order to help decrease some of the symptoms. But at the end of the day, you do need to get the right testing done in order to figure out, again, is it an infection? Is it a heavy metal? And how can you get to the root and start to detox this out of your system? Yeah, and we would love to assist you with that process, especially, you know, we do such deep dive type of work and we offer a free 15 minute strategy call for anyone who's listening. You can head over to integrativewellnessgroup.com to do that. And we'll talk to you soon.